Go ahead and take your Bible, if you would, and uh, we'll turn to the book of Judges. We're in Judges chapter 10, where we left off last time. And let me pray for us. Father, we come to you tonight. We want to hear from your word. I pray you'd encourage us. And I pray you'd just speak to us clearly. Help us respond to you and help us glorify you more as uh, as we hear from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 8, you uh, probably know uh, this passage of Scripture. But I'm going to read it anyhow. Uh, Because we need to hear it. You ready? You know it, I'm sure. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely, do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, know Him, and He will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. So in that passage of Scripture, it points out, uh, it tells us, don't lean on our own understanding, but trust Him. And when you trust Him, there's some good things that'll happen. He'll make you pass straight, and He'll strengthen your bones. But do you know what that passage doesn't tell us? It doesn't tell us what happens when you lean on your own understanding. And we know what happens there, but if you don't know, then we're going to find out here in Judges chapter 10. We're going to pick up in verse... 17, and I'm going to give you some things that leaning on your own understanding uh, will do in your life. Uh, The first thing it will do, leaning on your own understanding, it overlooks covenant. It overlooks covenant. What I mean by that, it overlooks your relationship with Almighty God. Uh, This is uh, Judges chapter 10 and verse 17. We have just heard earlier in this chapter that Israel had rebelled against God and that they had gone to the Lord for deliverance, and he said, No, nah, I ain't delivering you. And then they put away their idols, they began to worship him, and still he wasn't happy. Verse 17, it says, The Ammonites were called together, and they camped in Gilead. So the Israelites assembled, and they camped at Mizpah. Now, Mizpah was on the eastern side of the Jordan River, There were two and a half tribes that settled on the eastern side, the rest on the western side, and that is where the Ammonites would have been on the eastern side, and they are attacking Gilead, which is on that side. In verse 18, the rulers of Gilead said to one another, which man will begin the fight against the Ammonites? He will be the leader of all the inhabitants of Gilead. So we stop there, and we have in our mind here that they overlook their covenant, their relationship with Almighty God. And leading up to this point, whenever they were in trouble, they would call out to the Lord, and the Bible would say that the Lord would raise up a judge. That that the Lord would initiate their deliverance, their Savior. That the Lord would go find them, and it may have been a whole host of different people. Uh, you had a, a lady judge, Deborah. You had a judge that was kind of a, a scaredy cat in Gideon. I mean, you had these different judges, these different people from all different backgrounds, and yet the common denominator was that it was the Lord who chose them. It was the Lord who raised them up. It was the Lord who provided the deliverer for the people when they were under the gun. 
But in this case, you would expect after they had called on the Lord, after they had quote-unquote, repented before him, when the Ammonites showed up, you would have expected to hear that the men of Gilead called a prayer meeting and called on the Lord to provide a deliverer. But they didn't do that, did they? No, they didn't. What did they do? Well, they said, whoever begins the fight, we'll let him be the leader over all the inhabitants of Gilead. It, it, they they didn't really care who it was. They just said, whoever wants to do it can do it. Whoever wants to be the leader, we'll let you lead. And they use a word here, let you be the leader, which meant not just the commander of the army, but you will become our political leader, our king, if you will. They just got up and said, whoever wants to do it, come on and do it. Now, that's crazy talk doing that, because if you do that, you never know what you're going to get. One time I got sold in a uh, date auction when I was in college. I got sold for like $10 or maybe 5 And I had given a friend money in case no one bid on me. They were to bid. And so they bid, and I got sold for 5 or $10. And I was mad about it because, I mean, this is way more valuable than $10. But I forgot we was in college, and nobody has money in college. So I got bought for $10, and I got mad, and I stormed out of there. Well, when I did, the girl that bought me got mad that I didn't come over there and thank her for her $10 buy. And so she said, Fooey, I'm not going with you. Well, I had bought tickets to a hockey game, and I was stuck, and I didn't have anybody I was talking to. So I literally went up to a table full of girls, and I said, all right, girls, I need a date. Who wants to go? And one of them said, I'll go. And so I took her. And you know what? She wasn't half bad. But it could have been really, really, really bad. Really bad. That girl wasn't Kim. That didn't work. I had to, you know, spend more money on that one. But all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is that's not the best way to pick somebody. And the fact of the matter is nobody was taking it. But the point is they should have relied upon the Lord to provide for them. And they did not. They were, they literally said, we will take anybody except the one the Lord chooses. See, when we lean on our own understanding, we do some crazy things. We forget, we overlook, I would say we ignore the one who really cares for us most. And we are willing to take any other option if it means we don't have to take the option that he gives us. And isn't that crazy that we do that? But when you lean on your own understanding, that's exactly what you are doing. You are overlooking the covenant, the relationship that you have with the Lord. Let me show you a second thing. Leaning on our own understanding overlooks character. It overlooks character. In verse 4. It says sometime later. Now, the sometime later is later than verse 1 through 3. Now, we're going to go back to that in a minute. The Ammonites fought against Israel. I believe that this verse is referring to the events of verse 17 and 18. And it says that the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob or Tob or I don't know, the land of Tob. And they said to him, come be our commander and let's fight 
the Ammonites. So apparently, they, they had no takers on the offer to make them the political leader of Gilead. No one was willing to do it. None of the Gileadites were willing to step up to the plate. And so they said, let's go to Jephthah. Now, who is this Jephthah guy? We'll look back in verse 1. It says, Jephthah, the Gileadite. All right, man, he was from Gilead. He, he was one of them. And it says he was a valiant warrior. Literally, it means a man of means. Uh, This was a guy who was worth following. This was a leader of men. Uh, This was someone who had it all together, and he was a valiant warrior. And if you are looking for someone to lead your army, you want them to be part of your tribe, and you want them to be a valiant man. That's a good resume. However, there's some other aspects uh, on Jephthah. says there, that he was the son of a prostitute, and Gilead was his father. Gilead's wife bore him sons, his legitimate wife. When they grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, you will have no inheritance in our father's family because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob, and then some worthless men joined Jephthah and went on raids with him. So look at this guy's background. Uh, they go and invite him, but, but listen, he was raised by his parents on their own terms. She was a prostitute. Uh, that goes against everything in God's word, period. We, we overlooked that. Uh, in that day, a woman might become that when they were a widow, uh, or uh, some terrible event took place, and that was the only way that they could make ends meet. Jewish women, in the Bible, it says they should never be sold into that. They should never have to do that. The community should take care of them before they ever get to that point to where they would have to do that. And so this particular woman, uh, she was engaged in a lifestyle that was leaning on her own understanding. Uh, we don't know her exact situation, but we do know that it was contra God's word. Not only that, but on the man's side, that was not something that you were to do. The idea of adultery is the same today as it was in this day. The idea of, uh, of sexual immorality and all of the standards that God has today on that are the same standards that he had back then. And so going to a prostitute was something that was leaning on their own understanding. But here is an interesting point that we see from the life of this family. They name him Jephthah. Jephthah means he has opened. And it's the idea that the Lord had blessed them and that the Lord had opened her womb to allow her to have a baby. And so what they were doing is, even though they were in an illicit relationship, even though they were leaning on their own understanding, out of one side they were saying, forget you, God, we're going to do what we want to do. But on the other hand, they were saying, he's opened our womb. He's blessed our debauchery. So you have this lifestyle that Jephthah grew up watching where they would live a life one way, but they would say it another way. Sound kind of familiar, doesn't it? 
And so that was the family in which he grew up, in which he was nurtured. Now, just because you are raised in a family like that doesn't mean you're going to become like that. But it can mean that. The second thing we see here is that he was rejected by his family on their own terms. When his uh, Gilead passed away, the other son said, you got to get out of here. Now, here's what would have had to happen in order for them to say that. First of all, Gilead, the dad, would have had to have either adopted or included Jephthah in his family proper. So he would have had his legitimate wife. He would have had this illegitimate prostitute, and the son of the prostitute would not have been included in the legitimate family unless the father adopted the illegitimate child into the legitimate family. If he had never adopted Jephthah into the legitimate family, then there would be no inheritance that went to Jephthah in the first place, and the other sons would not have been threatened by him. But the fact that they were threatened by him meant that at one point, Gilead, the dad, had brought Jephthah into the legitimate family. Now the dad has gone and passed away, and the other brother said, we don't want you to have it. Now the only way that the other brothers could have said, we don't want you to have it, is if they took the issue to court, and in court, the elders of Gilead would have had to rule in favor of the sons, and the elders of Gilead would have had to exile Jephthah. Do you see all of this? And so here are these elders. They are getting rid of Jephthah, and so his entire life is is, is one of rejection and of pain, all because people are leaning on their own understanding. That's against God's word in which the sons are entitled to the inheritance. You're not to take the inheritance away from the legitimate children of the father. That's something that they have. That's something they receive. You don't take that away. So they were leaning on their own understanding. And Jephthah is built in this quagmire of all of these people living that way. And look what he does. He was received by bandits. It says there, he fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Then some worthless men joined Jephthah and went on raids with him. Now, do not think that Jephthah was the cartoon fox Robin Hood. He was he didn't have a bunch of merry men with him. He wasn't robbing the rich and giving to the poor. Okay? That's not what he was. He was a thug. He was a mob boss. He was raiding his own people. He was plundering and pillaging and stealing. And that word man of valor means a man of means. And the way he became a man of means was through thievery and through mob action. That's how he became a man of means. This guy was a scallywag. Yes, he had a bad family life. Yes, he had a bad support. But he ended up embracing that and he became an outlaw and a renegade and that old scallywag that he was. That is the type of man that we are dealing with here. That is the type of man that these elders went to and said, we don't care about all that you are. We don't care about all the negative. All we know is you're a good fighter and we want you to lead us. You say, well, that wasn't very wise. Let's go through our voting records, shall we? How many times do we vote for someone and they may not have the greatest character in the world, but we like what they say about a thing and we vote for them? 
I ain't naming no names because I like my job. And I know y'all get fired up about that stuff. And so we won't do that. But the fact of the matter is, we will choose. All right, here's another. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig into it a little bit, okay? Not on the voting deal, but how many times do good Baptist kids marry people from other religions? We're just at Louisiana. Like a bunch of them, man. The, the Baptist fishing hole is kind of limited in South Louisiana, if y'all didn't know that, all right? And and really, everybody's pretty much married to everybody else anyhow uh, in Baptist life. So so the pressure is to find someone outside of that fishing hole, and, and they're they're Catholic. And and I ain't, I ain't dogging on Catholics, but what I'm telling you is, when you got a Baptist married to a Catholic, they will have problems in their marriage at some point. Some of y- y'all know what I'm talking about, right? We see it all the time. But why do they do that? They overlook the character. They overlook those other things because they're handsome or they're pretty or because I like them or I love them or whatever it is or, or I'm excited. And so they prioritize all of the pragmatic things over the character issues. And when you start prioritizing the pragmatic things over the character issues, it won't be long before the character issues bubble to the top and you have a problem. And so when we're leaning on our own understanding, we don't operate by principle. We we don't operate by the character of someone. We operate by, are they a valiant warrior? If they're a valiant, that's what I need right now, they're a valiant warrior, I'm going to let them do it. And then we get ourselves in trouble. So that's what we do. That's the same with electing those politicians that look great on the outside, but they're rotten on the inside. Eventually, what's on the inside is going to make its way on the outside, and then you get in the mess. All right, that's enough of that. Number next, what are we on, three? Leaning on our own understanding overlooks compromise. It overlooks compromise. The elders went to get Jephthah. By the way, these would have been the same men that ruled against him and exiled him. The elders were the ones that they would have taken. These were the judges of their courts of that day. These were the men that the same men had to go to him, hat in hand. He says in verse 6, they said to him, come be our commander and let's fight the Ammonites. Now, this is interesting. Back in verse 18, it says, the one who leads us will be the leader of the inhabitants of Gilead. The word leader refers to the political leader, the prince or the king over the people of Gilead. He was going to become their governmental leader. In this one, they don't say, come be our leader. They say, come be our commander. They were offering to Jephthah to come be the military leader, the military commander. But once the fight was over, guess what they're going to do to him? Boot him right out again. And Jephthah, he was a lot of things, but he wasn't a fool. Well, we're going to see next week he was a fool, but he wasn't a fool here, all right? In verse 7, Jephthah replied to the elders of Gilead, Didn't you hate me and drive me out of my father's family? Why then have you come to me now when you're in trouble? Boy, couldn't that be God saying that? 
Couldn't God say that to some of us? Think of it. Think of it this way. Here's God speaking. Didn't you hate me and drive me out of my father's family? Why then have you come to me now when you're in trouble? Cool. They answered Jephthah, that's true. But now we turn to you. Come with us. Fight the Ammonites and you will become leader. There's that term, leader, of all the inhabitants of Gilead. And so now they are compromising. Now they're negotiating. Now they are giving way more away than they ever intended to do. Because instead of trusting the Lord to provide, they had to trust themselves to provide. And the only way to do that is if they compromised on their commitments. Notice their lack of integrity. They offered him to be a commander when they offered everybody else to be a leader. They were trying to get him for the the least possible price. Notice their hypocrisy, the one they rejected, now the one they wanted. And in the end, notice their submission. They submitted to him as their leader because they were desperate to find an answer. Now, some situations require negotiating. Some situations require it. For instance, uh, you want to go buy a car. Well, pre-COVID, you can negotiate that down. They don't do it much anymore, do they? But you, it was kind of a game, wasn't it? It was kind of fun for a little bit. One time I was going to play that game. And uh, I'm not going to tell that story. Anyways, one time I was going, I, I like playing that game. Put it that way. I like to negotiate. I like to barter back and forth. There's some context in which that is appropriate. But there are other contexts in which it is never appropriate to negotiate, period. It is never appropriate to compromise, period. We do not compromise on the truth of God's word unless we lean on our own understanding. If we allow the culture around us to put pressure on what we believe about a situation, before long, we will compromise on what the Word of God says. We're not going to compromise on whom we serve unless we need a valiant man to come into our situation. Then we'll compromise on that and we'll submit ourselves to that other Person. See, when you lean on your own understanding, you will compromise your position and compromise your convictions, and you will end up putting yourself in a spot of compromise that you would never, ever have thought that you would be, all because you're leaning on your own understanding. Let me give you a fourth one and the last. Leaning on our own understanding overlooks the consequences. Look there in verse 9. So Jephthah said to them, if you are bringing me back to fight the Ammonites and the Lord gives them to me, I will be your leader. The elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, the Lord is our witness if we don't do as we say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead and the people made him their leader and commander. And Jephthah repeated all his terms in the presence of the Lord at Mizpah. Four times, five times actually, we hear, you're going to be our leader. We find it there. In uh, verse 8, when they say, you will become our leader. Verse 9, Jephthah replies, I will be your leader. They say, you will be our leader. The Lord's our witness. That's three. Jephthah went with him and the people made him their leader. That's four. And then he, he repeated his terms in the presence of the Lord. That's five. So we are seeing five times repeated the terms that he is going to be the leader. 
What that means is that by leaning on their own understanding, the people of Gilead, who should have been servants of Almighty God, had submitted themselves to become servants of this scallywag Jephthah. They were now enslaved to Jephthah. Listen to what the Bible says in John eight thirty four. It says, those who sin are enslaved to sin. That when we choose to sin, we become slaves to sin. The natural consequence of leaning on your own understanding is that you put yourself in shackles and instead of living in the freedom that God has for you, you live in slavery to the thing that you've compromised for. That's one of the consequences. The second consequence, they became mockers of God. What do you mean by that? Well, look in verse 10. The Lord is our witness if we don't do as you say. The Lord had nothing to do with this. The Lord wasn't a part of this, but now they're calling on him. Then Jephthah, in verse 11, at the end of it, it says that Jephthah repeated all his terms in the presence of the Lord at Mizpah. What that means is that they had a ceremony to crown him leader and commander. That ceremony was very religious in its overtones. They, they may have, I mean, I, I tell you, did y'all watch the coronation of the King of England? Did y'all watch some of that? I watched some of that. I, I didn't have a chance to watch the whole thing, but I did watch some of it. And what I watched was very biblical. Seriously. They were reading scripture. He was talking about the faith. They had Bible all throughout it. Uh, one of the songs that they were singing was like the hymn of Zadok the priest. And it was built on when, uh, I believe King David became king. And, and that's the name of the song. Uh, they had, uh, uh, when he sits on the throne and he gets crowned or at that uh, ceremony, there's a bench underneath his seat. And on that bench is the stone of scone. Did y'all know this? The stone of scone is one of the crown jewels of Scotland. And it is a stone. And this stone, their tradition, says was the stone that Jacob used as a pillow when he had his dream of the ladder going into heaven. You ever been to Israel? There's lots of stones over there. How do you know that 3,000 years ago, that's the one he laid his head on? I don't know. Who knows? But that's what they believe. And why? Because they wanted to wrap everything up in Jesus. But the reality is the king's pretty much atheist. They don't care nothing about Jesus. These folks went to Mizpah on the eastern side of the Jordan, which nowhere else in the Bible is said to be a place where you could do something like this. Yet they did it on their terms and in their way. Why? Because they wanted the outward trappings of the blessing of God on the decisions that they had already made. Instead of saying, Lord, will you show me what decisions you want me to make? They said, we're making a decision and we want you to bless it. Do You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like to me, whenever, you, uh, whenever you've got two folks who are cohabitating, living together, but they want to have a church wedding, and they want the preacher to do it, they don't care nothing about what God wants, but they want God to stamp of approval. If the preacher does it, it's all good. Do you know what it, what it sounds like to me? It sounds like that family who hadn't had their kids in church for 10 years, but they get mad if you don't recognize their kid at senior graduation. We'll have, we'll have 
10 or 12 kids coming to Sunday school in the senior class. But when it comes down to senior recognition, there'll be 45 kids up there that we're recognizing. Why? Because they want God to stamp them. You got folks that uh, don't come in the door of the church, but they want to do a baby dedication. We meddling now a little bit, aren't we? What they're doing is no different than we when we are leaning on our own understanding. We make the decision and then we want God to bless it. And do you know what happens when we do that? We mock God. We mock God. And when we lean on our own understanding, we become men and women who mock Him. The greatest way that people lean on their own understanding is when it comes to salvation. I had a conversation with a guy at Walmart one time. He said, tell me about why you're going to go to heaven. Well, the Lord and I have an agreement. Okay. People come up with all kind of harebrained ideas of why they're going to get to heaven that, that do not include Jesus Christ. And when they do that, they lean on their own understanding, and what ends up happening is they become enslaved to the compromise of their sinfulness, and they end up going to hell. Because you can't lean on your own understanding and go to heaven. You must submit to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As long as we try to live this life on our own terms, as long as we try to get to heaven on our own terms, as long as we lean on our own understanding, this is what will happen to us. And as we read the story of Jephthah, it gets worse before it gets better. Would you bow your heads and hearts with me for a moment? In your life, where you are, is there something going on in your life where you've been leaning on your own understanding? You've neglected to take it to the Lord in prayer. You've neglected to rely upon His direction. You've, you've tried to reason through things. You've tried to get advice through things, but you've not taken it to Him. Why don't you take it to Him right now? Quit asking others for their opinions and ask Jesus His opinion and talk and take it to Him. And then when He speaks, do it. Take a moment right where you are just to spend some time alone with him. Our Father in heaven, uh, we are tempted each and every day to make decisions without you, uh, to lean on our own understanding. And we know the benefits of trusting you. Um, Lord, we now know the curses of not. I pray that we would be quick to look to you we would be quick to repent and confess our selfishness and sinfulness and that we would trust you and follow you. I pray for those in this room who are struggling right now, trying to know what to do next in their life. I pray that they would seek your face, they would hear your word, and they would trust you. Even if it doesn't make sense, I pray they would trust you through it. Lord, thank you for your word, for the example that you give us, and help us be a people that leans not on understanding, but acknowledges you in all of our ways. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.